On today's show, I caught up with someone who is new to our football club this season, but a much-loved member of the playing group. The persistence of today's guest is hard to match after undergoing four knee reconstructions since making his AFL debut back in 2010. After eight seasons at the Geelong Football Club, Dan joined the Swans as a free agent in the most recent off-season. He talks to us about how he ended up at the Swans, his resilience to continue to fight injury, and what it has been like settling into Sydney. I hope you enjoy the chat with Dan Menzel. Well, Swans fans, uh, very special guest here today. Um, someone that I believe I've sparked a pretty good friendship with uh, after only knowing him a short while. He's born on the 13th of the 9th, 1991. He's weighing in at 90 kilograms, 190 centimetres. He's been traded to us from the Geelong Footy Club, Daniel Menzel. Thanks for having me, Callum. How did I go on the intro, mate? Did you? Uh, did, did I do you justice? You actually, you nailed it. I don't often uh, the height and the weight's not often spot on. So uh, I'm I'm wrapped that you actually rounded up to ninety and one hundred and ninety centimeters. So I'll take it. Now, mate, I think a lot of Sydney Swans supporters. Sorry, I'll say that again. A lot of Sydney Swans supporters. Um, I think they know your story from afar, but we probably probably don't know the real Daniel Menzel, to be honest, and I think it, this is going to be a really interesting chat. I'm super excited about it, but let's just start about you growing up, mate. Where the, where the hell are you from? Yeah, so I'm a Adelaide boy originally, so South Australia, I'm uh, basically half an hour out of the CBD, so um, a town called Golden Grove. Uh, my local club there was Golden Grove, and then Central Districts was my SNFL club, so Grew up there and spent all of my junior years there and all my life there until I obviously got drafted at the age of 18 uh, to the Geelong Footy Club. What's your first football memory? My first football memory is when I was six years of age. Uh, I played my first game with my brother who's... um, I've got a few brothers, but the one who's just above me. So um, I remember watching him play for one year and asking Dad every week, when do I actually get to play with him? And the next year we actually played in the same team, which I haven't done that many times with my brothers before. How does the younger brother go? Like, So where's he now? He's at... uh, He's playing at Central Districts in the SNFL this year. Okay. Talk to me about your rivalry with him. Surely him getting in the AFL system, you would have... You know, would have given him some pretty, pretty solid advice. I would have thought you've obviously been around the traps for a while now. So, how, how how's that been? Yeah, that was um, growing up. Troy and I uh, were really close. We we kicked the footy. I mean, every single day. But um, I actually have five brothers, so there's six of us. Didn't know that. Actually. And. Um, and so Troy's the youngest and I'm the third youngest so uh, it meant that the older brothers was great for us we um, we had some real competition in the backyard and um, I guess it actually develops you and it makes you develop pretty quickly when you've got bigger bigger brothers that you're playing with in the backyard and, and Troy was always the smaller so he um, he was certainly um, I guess well prepared when he played against kids his age and um, we certainly had a lot of competitions in the backyard um, whether it be footy or any sport really and uh, shared a lot together and then obviously for the both of us to be drafted and and play in the AFL at the same time um, was a pretty special time for us. What about your other brothers? They play footy? Yeah they did. They um a couple of my older ones uh, played and played up until reserves at SNFL level. So mm-hmm. um, they certainly were not bad in their own right. Uh, my second oldest brother, who has got 10 years on me, he um, he played up until the reserves and then thought at the age of 19, 20, this is probably not for me and um, gave it away for a number of things. And, and he told me ever since then, don't do what I did. I, I went down the wrong paths and the wrong tracks and um, all the things that I saw at the time, that they'll be there for you down the track. By wrong paths? Would that one of those wrong paths be... Rundle Mall in Adelaide. <laughs> he might have spent a little bit of time there. Uh, Red Square. Yeah, that that was going back then. Yes. Yep. yep. Um, uh, yeah. No. He. Uh, he just Red Square is actually a sponsor of the podcast. So. Um. Are we talking about the same Red Square though? We, I hope so because I had a great <laughs> night there um, back in two thousand and twelve. It is. Um, it's on Rundle Mall. Let's be honest, a nightclub there. Yep. It is an iconic yeah. nightclub in Adelaide. Um, Red Square is also a vodka drink too, so I wasn't sure whether you'd, you'd got a vodka company on board. Right? No, I don't have a vodka company. I'm just, um, you know, the 
the booths, and the, uh, <laughs> the booths and the and the stages at Red Square in Adelaide. But uh, anyway, let's just move on from that, mate. Um, so you spoke about your junior footy clubs. You you, you talked about um, your sandful opportunities, and who were you coached by at Central Districts? Yeah, so uh, Central's had a little bit of a different system. The SNFL did as a whole. Um, it's probably you're probably aware of it in the in the waffle that it was under 17s and 19s and reserves and and then um the actual league team whereas i guess in the vfl um system in victoria i've been from it it's basically you've got your vfl team and then your under 18s tac cup so a lot of different coaches growing up through my 17s and 19s days and damien hicks was one who played a lot of central districts footy and had a um, real impact on me and, and Roy Laird was actually the coach of the uh, of the team at the time and he's actually still there now so he's been there for a good 15 years I think it is now and, and won quite a few flags but um, so Troy actually is quite ironic Troy's actually back there now um, under my first senior coach and, and he's got him coaching him this year Now you're a first round draft pick you correct me if I'm wrong you're pick 17 correct. for Geelong we always the a pretty handy player growing up. So what basically what I'm getting at is is that at what stage of your junior career did you think that a potential um, career in the AFL was a possibility? Yeah, I think uh, for me, always coming through, um, had... Um, Just drop me a pen. Had uh, really good junior years. Um, footy come pretty naturally. I put a lot of time into it. And then I think at maybe 16 and 17, kids went past me. And I probably was a little bit of a later developer in those years. And, and then came into the under-18s year, um, not having been in the state system as such and, and sort of just hoping to make the state team and then see how we go. And had a good carnival, had a really good championships. And, and I guess midway through the year, I... I had a fair impression that um, I was going to get drafted and I was told that by a number of teams and and then it was just where, I guess, and and how high. So um, it was nice going into draft night knowing that I was more than likely going to get picked up and and so you sit there obviously anxious and nervous and just hopeful and um, at the time Geelong had actually won the premiership uh, only a month earlier. So... um, to actually go to them uh, as their first pick, I wasn't aware that it was going to happen, but at the same time, I was pretty excited to see some of the players that I was actually going to be joining in such a successful team. Have you ever stepped foot in Geelong before before the draft? Uh, we'd, we'd actually gone to Lawn one time for New Year's, a okay. uh, family holiday. So other than that, I hadn't really been to Geelong or know yep. much about it. So... Um, it was it was definitely a, a new change that I wasn't aware of the city at all. Yeah, who'd you, who'd you live with? So Geelong actually has a system in place which uh, they've had for a long time um, now, and it's a host family system. So mm-hmm. I moved straight into a host family when I when I got over there and. Um, just turn 18 it was probably the best thing that could have happened for me at the time it's um you have a, a family that um obviously they're a pretty footy mad family and, and love the cats and love the club and they love that interaction with players but um how'd you do with that uh well to be honest it actually taught me a fair bit about the history and about the players at the club and um, fast-tracked um <laughs> my knowledge um which was good but um the, the actual just cooking for you every night um, taking you out to different places showing you around just little things like that that at the end of training you've had a big day um, even washing your clothes it, it does make a difference and that certainly helped and when you obviously arrived there and you, and, you, and you said it before they've just won the grand final it's an absolute powerhouse of a, of a footy club and still is but probably more particularly at that time they had some pretty pretty handy footballs and they were a pretty handy side what were your thoughts on getting opportunity in that team yeah I think um, when I initially got there it was um, it was very much a blur and I just, the, the first thing I thought about was actually meeting the players and um, meeting Gary Ablett and meeting Paul Chapman and all of these sort of guys and, and Chappie was one of the first blokes I actually met and um, it sticks with me to this day I remember Chappie is quite an imposing figure and um, looks like quite an intimidating player on the field as well and anyone who knows Chappie or spoke to him his voice doesn't actually um, live up to that hype he actually has quite a high pitched voice yeah impression please so, so um, I'll start I'll start <laughs> I'll be you I'll be you and you be me ready I don't know no, yeah, well. we'll, we'll be fine <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> all right, then. I'll do an impression of you. Okay. G'day, Chappie. How are you, mate? 
Yeah, g'day, mens. <laughs> How'd you go on the weekend? Oh, I think that's all I've got. <laughs> um, I didn't know that. About, I've never met the guy. No, I, I, so I've that that actually, yeah. um, I remember, I don't even know what he said back to me because I remember thinking, wow, this is not how I expected the bloke to talk. Um, yeah. So that was, um, was one of my first guts. impressions yeah. when I got to the, the Geelong Footy Club. And um, and so that was, um, it was a pretty special day, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> uh, now, you debuted your first year, didn't you? I did, yes. Yeah. Now I um I I do remember um watching you play your first year and it'd be fair to say you had a pretty pretty strong impact um, on the side when you came in. Talk to me about your debut and playing playing in that side because I think you'd you'd have to agree getting yep. a gig in that side was was bloody tough because their team was pretty cemented. Yeah, it was. It was um it was one that I'd put together some good footy in the VFL and um was just hopeful that I'd be able to get a crack towards the end of the season and. Uh, and the club told me that if I keep playing some good games, then I will get that opportunity. And eventually broke in, um, and we were playing against the Bulldogs. And I remember we were a top four side at the time, and so were the Bulldogs. And um, I remember thinking, all right, we'll just see what happens here, and it's going to be a good game either way. And we came out, and we won by 94 points. Uh, and uh, I remember... Um, thinking geez wow if this is how it is every single week then it's going to be pretty incredible um and just the blokes and the skills that we had at the time um it was a pretty special moment obviously your first game but um to be in such a good side was um i I think i was pretty lucky yeah 100 percent, mate. i um i've always thought like when you go into those amazing teams like you know if i can be self-indulgent for a second mate i'll start at west coast and went into a ruck division with Dean Cox and Nick Nat. Like, it just feels like it's it's that easy having those guys around you because you can kind of hide a little bit and then pop up and people go, oh, how good is Dan Denzel going? You it, know what I mean? It is. It's, yeah. um, I remember I, I played in the forward line with Stevie J. And, um, and I remember Stevie told me a lot of different things. But um, I remember Stevie mentioning one time, like, yeah, like I'll get the I'll get the good defender, and you'll have the other one. So, um, <laughs> who was your first opponent, by the way? Uh, my first opponent. Um, that's a good question, actually. Um, I'll have to think about that. I haven't thought about that in a long time. Uh, yeah, okay. It was certainly one of the older Bulldogs players, though. Okay. So I'm trying to think. He was a medium defender. Um, he, Bob Murphy. No, it wasn't Bob Murphy. Um, Scott West. Scott West didn't venture down that way too much. Uh, I'll ever think about that. Luke Darcy? <laughs> Certainly not Luke Darcy. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, that year, obviously, the Geelong Footy Club had another fair income crack at it. Yep. But it probably didn't go the... The year probably didn't finish the way that you wanted to. You probably hit the scene pretty hard on your on your footy career. Everyone, you're playing some terrific footy. But, um, but sadly, the, the, the fairy tale for you at, at, at that time of your career probably didn't happen. Yeah, so that was um, that was actually my second year. So yeah, okay. um, first year got a got a taste of it, I guess. Got a few games, and then in my second year, um, played eighteen out of eighteen games that I was available for. Um, I broke my ribs and missed um, f- four weeks that year as well. So to be able to play every week and be picked every week um, at I guess nineteen years of age, um, you sort of you are floating a little bit, and you sort of you don't take it for granted, but at the same time you sort of just go on with the flow and things are pretty good and um, I remember I was having an impact on the team but I certainly wasn't in the better players at the time and um, and then as the year went on um, I actually I vividly remember it that um, the coach Scotty at the time said to me you need to show as well as maybe a handful of guys over the next month before finals that um, that you're good enough for this team going into finals because we got a lot of competition oh, wow. for spots and yeah. um, I remember thinking. Did you think your think spot was at risk? What's to, that? to be honest, like, did you think your spot was at risk or not? Um, I thought my spot was at risk, but not not really. I think um, being a young player and obviously having a fair crack at it, and and them obviously seeing some talent in me, I knew that they were going to stick by me. Um, and we had so many players around that could complement. I guess myself and others in the team as well and um, it certainly was yeah a chance if I played a few bad games that I certainly could go out but um, I think uh, I went into the last game of the year thinking you know, I've just got to make sure I, I have an alright game here to, to cement my spot in the finals and um, we played Collingwood in round 23 and 
they were top of the table. We were second, and they only lost one game all year, and it was against Geelong. It was against us, and um, and we'd only lost a couple. And and so I remember going into it thinking. Um, yeah, this will be interesting to see how this actually plays out. And they were up at quarter time, I think it was, and we ended up beating them by 15 goals. And um, I remember walking off the ground um, pretty happy. I, I had an okay game and had an impact myself. Yeah. And I remember walking off the ground and thinking, wow, we are going to win the premiership in four weeks' time. And and I know, I know that there's a lot of guys that thought that because we were we were so confident that we beat the team that no one else could beat and we beat them by 15 goals. Yeah. And, and it just it gave us so much confidence going into that final series. So, the following week, you've um, you've gone out, you're, you're playing finals footy, and mate, it, it must have been heartbreaking to be honest. Like it, it I, I there's not many guys that have probably um, experienced that, and yep. unfortunately, you have. But seeing the side progress over that final series, yep. and not being able to be part of it, yeah, it was. Um, it's incredible how much things can change in a week, and. Um, and for me, we, we obviously we played against Hawthorne in the qualifying final, and um, and I'd come off kicking five the week before. And um, thanks, boys. And uh, and <laughs> just again, plug that one. Just thinking, <laughs> well, it does. Um, yeah. It tells a story Absolute, here so, quite so, so well. I'll but just, I'll um, just make note at five goals. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I'll, I'll I'll get you to add this as well that um, <laughs> I then kicked our only two goals um, up until midway through the second quarter. We were down five goals to two at the time, and so I remember running around thinking, "Where well, how is this?" Um, as you do, I, I kicked seven in four and a bit quarters, and you're thinking things are going pretty well. And as a 19 year old kid too, you, you're so naive, and you're like, "Well, we're 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 going well here," and and then obviously had an incident out in the wing in the second quarter, and. Um, I felt my knee pop and, and I remember at the time it was excruciating pain and went down and the trainers came over and the pain was there for about a minute and then um, weirdest feeling as anyone who who does an ACL um, completely ruptures it knows that it plays tricks on your mind because after a minute um, and it's, it's even earlier in other people's cases the pain completely goes away and so I remember getting onto the stretcher and then being like hang on I actually can't feel it now maybe, maybe I've just twisted my knee maybe I haven't done anything too bad and went down into the rooms and the doctors have a feel and they're like oh we're not that confident and I remember saying to them no no just let me do some stride run throughs stride throughs and and like I'm okay like we'll see how it feels and I think they just let me do it um for my own mental state and, and I remember running and I remember thinking this doesn't feel great um, but I might be able to get through here uh, so I sat back down and they said no no let's just assess it again and, and that's when my physio said to me um, mate I'm pretty sure you've torn your ACL and I knew what that meant but um, again you, your mind's going everywhere at this stage and I looked at him and said so does this mean I'll miss in a couple of weeks time and he said yeah well it would and I said so this means I can't play in the grand final and um, he said yep and that's when it sort of hit me and I just um, I remember I just burst out into tears and I remember from there it was um, it's, it was a real challenge from there I guess and I didn't yeah. know what was to come and um, it was a fair run from there but um the next three weeks were tough because um, I think as a 19-year-old kid, I certainly wasn't in a great state to handle it mentally and um, and I wasn't mature either. And, and so you're watching the boys play, um, having been confirmed an ACL and having surgery and um, wanting them to win, but deep down questioning, do you really want them to win? And, and it's yeah. a horrible feeling and it's one that you can't shake. And, and I remember going to grand final day and I was on crutches and... Um, yeah, I just I remember it was it was such a weird feeling, and, and I remember thinking we're gonna win. I was so confident we were gonna win, and um, and it was just one that was really difficult to, I guess, get my head around and 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 actually comprehend. Fair enough, mate. But it wasn't the first one, unfortunately, mate. You've um, you you rehab. I'm assuming the the first rehab went went quite to plan. Yep. And then um, got yourself back to playing. So. Um, maybe talk us through maybe the next couple of years if you yep. can and the, and the events that followed yeah so um, we did a nine and a half month rehab and we did it to the day and everything went pretty well yep. and uh, really confident that I'd be able to get back and um, for me it was getting back but we had such a successful team and, and strong side that it was I every every single day I thought I'm getting back to playing the premiership this year I, I've missed out on one last year and I'm going to win one this year and 
I got back and in my first comeback game um, in the second quarter again I ruptured my left ACL my, my other leg and um, I remember thinking someone pushed me it was a contact injury and, and no one on looking at it back no one actually touched me and that was just I went down for a ground ball and, and it just ruptured and so um, that uh, you'd put nine months worth of work into that that um, for it to go in your first game back it just feels like such a waste and um, and and you know that you've got nine months ahead and and the first thing I actually thought was we're gonna I'm gonna miss out on another premiership here and um, whether rightly or wrongly that's where my mind went and and so that was a real challenge from there and um, went in had the surgery um, rehab the, the second ACL again and things were going pretty well and we got to the six month mark uh and it was around about december and and six months is when you start to join back in with the group you start to do some offline drills and um start to really ramp it up and i was doing some light tackling work with a coach and it was um it was straight line so it was really controlled and and uh i tackled him and and twisted and I, i remember feeling a little pop but thinking no no this isn't this isn't what it's been in the past i'm not in pain i haven't done anything bad again um and he said no just go see the physio so i walked out of the physio and um and i remember him saying to me oh sure you haven't torn your acl and when he said that it sort of hit me and i was like and and again you get real emotional straight away and i'm like no i can't i can't have it can't have happened again and um so he said, look, we're, we're just going to shut it down for today. We're going to get scans and just make sure everything's okay. And so went up to Melbourne, um, had the scans and, um, yeah, I'll, I'll forever remember this day that um, I had an appearance in Melbourne to do as well. So I had the scans first and then went to do this appearance. And on my way to the appearance, my doctor rang me and um, he said, man, I've had a look at the scans from what I can see, things look pretty good. Um, I'm still waiting on confirmation from the surgeon. He'll ring me back in the next hour, but I think your ACL, I think we're in the clear here. And so you get off the phone and you're ecstatic and you're like, wow, it's not worst case scenario. <laughs> um, and so I went and did this appearance and came out and I had three missed calls from my doctor and I remember thinking, hang on a second, what is going on here? And oh. um, I'm in Melbourne at the time. I got an hour's drive back to Geelong straight after this and um, I rang him back and I said, hey, mate, what's going on? And he said, "Mens, I am so sorry. Um, I've spoken with the surgeon. I, I couldn't see it on the pictures I had, but he's had a more in-depth look and it turns out you, you have actually ruptured your ACL again. Um, and so that um phone call i'll never forget and that drive home um yeah that was, well that was my next question like what was the drive back to geelong like that um oh it was it was horrendous um i yeah i i was emotional i bought my eyes out the whole way i remember um i remember thinking um and i didn't call mum or anyone until i got home and i remember thinking i don't i don't want to call them again i don't want to tell them this yeah. again i don't want to basically ruin their day and feel like I've let them down again and um and and so yeah it was it was one that mentally um extremely hard to get your head around and and another rehab to do as well and so I went back to the club and over the next week spoke to my physio and he said all right what are we going to do what's the plan forward from here and he said when we're going for surgery um we're going to make a decision what graph we're going to go with. We've got to see how bad it is, first of all. Um, and because I hadn't completely ruptured it, that's why it wasn't obvious when I did it. Okay. Um, what what graph we're going to go with. And so he said, do we want to do another traditional rehab, which is nine months plus? Um, or do we want to go with Lars, which is what was at the time one of the new um, reconstructions going around the AFL? And I think Nick Malcheski was the, the first player to have it and have it mm. successfully. And um, there hasn't been too many since. And, and I remember saying to him at the time, I can't do back-to-back-to-back rehabs. Like, mentally, I can't do it. Um, I said, we'll do the last. Like, let's just do it. It's it's a three- to four-month rehab. It's not nine to ten months. It means I can get back this year. Um, it means I could potentially play in a grand final this year. Um, that's that's the way we're going to go. And so I went in for surgery. It was ruptured, and, and we put a LARS in. Um, and mm-hmm. away we went. So... Um, that then meant that it was a completely different rehab. You, you have your graft in there and you go from doing a couple of things in the gym and squats and within four weeks you're running and moving around and it just feels so weird compared to a traditional reconstruction. And um, we took at least four months to get it right. And then I remember I, I went out and 
for my comeback game, I was obviously pretty nervous. I hadn't got through my uh, last one that I'd played, and mm. um, I remember I had family and everyone over and played and actually got through. And so the relief after that game and I guess the general happiness um, was incredible. And I remember thinking, I wish I could bottle this feeling. Um, yeah. Because there's a lot of times when you, you're not up and about, you're not happy and, and you're not having the best of weeks. But um, there was nothing anyone could say to me at this time that would make me, uh, would wipe the smile off my face. Mm. And um, I remember thinking, we're not out of jail, but geez, this is a massive hurdle that we just cleared. And um, and so then got prepared for the next week. And in my second um, game back, I re-ruptured the ACL. And yeah. It was it was a nothing um, situation. I, someone went to step me and put my left leg out, and it just collapsed. And um, so that told me that it was just the, the graft just didn't take for me. And, and unfortunately, it would have gone if anyone had that graft. And um, so yeah, so then it was gonna it was basically gonna be my fourth ACL reconstruction. I was gonna require in a space of two two and a half years. So you've spoken a bit about like the. I just want to touch on the the mental headspace like you've you've touched on more the the devastation of when you do it and you get the phone calls you deal all the scans and that kind of stuff i think we can probably um particularly guys at the footy club like we can fully understand kind of what that feels like but what about when you're three or four months in you're rocking up the training before everyone else you're coming in on days where the, the boys have got their days off you train the morning of games like Surely some days are good, but there are other days you're probably just sitting there just, like, shaking your head going, this is just, yeah. Yeah, yeah 100%. Um, I think you're right. Anyone who's been in any sporting environment um, knows that when you go through injuries, you go through setback, you watch the rest of the team out on the ground training and you just wish that you're out there and um, and that takes a toll on you over time. And I remember I go into the club, as you said, at different times, and you train at different times to the boys because obviously you'd need the physios and, and staff around you, and they'd obviously have to work with both. And so um, I remember a lot of times thinking um, and going for lunch on my own because the boys obviously were training at that time, and then they'd go for lunch together, and I'd yeah. be training, and things like that you really battle with. And um, even in stages where I was in a really bad space where I'd be training on my own in the gym and I'd look over at the physio room and there might be 10 blokes in there mucking around joking and you'd sort of look at them and you'd be like, they've got no idea, do they? And, and so with a bit of resentment and it, you don't... And I remember th- sitting there at times and thinking, why do I think so negatively about people? Why do I think like this? But yeah. um, it's just what you're going through and it, and it really does take a toll on you and that's what I learned over time and, and in speaking with people about that, that... Um, that sometimes when you go through things like this the thoughts that come into your mind aren't what you actually want to think or what, or how you actually feel it's just it's um it's a build up over time and and so i learned that actually opening up and speaking to people um would make a massive difference and and also having a lot of other things outside of my rehab that i could that I could i could actually focus on um that really did change my rehab mm. i think i watched your doco you did with fox footy i don't know how it might be a couple of years ago now yep but one of the best scenes I saw on that doco, and I actually re- re-watched it um, the other night before we had this chat, was I, I think we played... Who would you play your debut game? Sorry, not your debut, your, your first game back. Who would you play was... Against Collingwood. Against Collingwood. Did you go see your parents at a hotel or, or yes, something like that? So yes. yeah. Mate, I don't know how you did that because when my folks come over pre-game, I literally shut the door and say, don't you dare come near me. <laughs> I've Yeah, but mate... Oh, it might seem like a big thing, but I, I, I couldn't imagine what's going through your head. You're playing at the MCG, and you know you go and speak to your parents pre-game and and, and things like that. But how were you feeling that day? Um, I was actually I was much more excited than I was nervous. I think um, I'd played six weeks in the VFL and done so much rehab for so many years that. I knew I was ready. Um, I knew I was over ready. I, I was well prepared. I was so strong. I've done so much in the gym. I've done more in my eyes than any player has coming back from th- from that many reconstructions. Um, and so I should have. And so it gave me great confidence. And um, and I think I knew that I would be nervous on the day. So I was um, more than happy to 
go out of my way and do do things a little bit differently and so I really wanted to see my mates my family before the game um, <clears throat> because they've they've rode so much of the emotions with you and so many of the down and negative times that um, I really wanted to be able to share all of the positive with them and that day with them and um, and it was something that anyone who goes through anything really difficult uh, and comes out the other side will tell you that they didn't do it on their own and and there's no way they would have actually got through without the people that that helped them through and um to be able to actually show that to people um me coming back that was my way in a way of repaying them for for sticking by me and so um yeah i I just remember thinking i'm going to be nervous regardless of what i do today um so why not actually have people around me that have made such a difference and that night i watched that game and you'd you'd snagged four goals and you took a hanger yeah, you must have just gone like, how easy? <laughs> not how easy, not how easy, but God, I've still got it. Like you must have, you must have walked off. You talk about bottling that feeling. Yes, like, like kicking four goals in any game you're playing well, but if you're going to kick four goals, having yep. almost after four recos. Yeah, you must have just come off that ground, just thinking, thinking you were Brad Pitt. Um, it's um. It's funny. I, I, it was 1,450 days in between my AFL games and I um, every single day I'd pictured my comeback game um, without fail. And I don't think one of those pictures or days I actually did picture having such a good game, I guess. Um, and so it is, it is a really weird feeling. And, um, yeah, I remember it is. It's nice to actually walk off and think, and think you know what I still can play and actually because you do question yourself you do doubt yourself no matter no yeah. matter who you are and um, that self confidence is so important and you've got to tell yourself that all the work you put in is going to pay off but you still deep down don't know and um, to actually be able to have the impact I guess that I did first game back um was oh it was really satisfying but at the same time too we actually lost the game and um we needed to win to make finals and so God. it um it was a bittersweet feeling because again i'll touch on it again that for me i was like we need a win um to be able to win the premiership so um it's sort of in a way it was um i remember walking off and i was more upset than i was happy and um and I remember we had a bad loss that night and, and we're out of contention of finals and you walk into any rooms when a team's had a bad loss and it's yeah. not a great environment. And I remember sitting in there and um, I remember sitting in the rooms and I was sort of just with my own thoughts and um, I was a little bit upset and my physio walked over to me um, and I remember him saying to me, I know you're really upset right now um, with the result, but you have to take a moment um, to actually realise what we've achieved um, and just give yourself that time. And, and he said we because I always referred to us anytime anyone would interview me or talk about my story, I always said we and we'll come back. And, and it's because it's, it is a team effort. It's not yourself and there's no way you can you can do that. And, and so we as a group and as a collective with my physios and staff always said we and, and he did say that. He said, well, you've got to realise what we've achieved. And... Um, when he said that, it sort of hit me a little bit, and I thought, "Yeah, wow, actually, now that you mentioned that," and and then all of my family and friends all rolled in, and um, about a minute later, you couldn't tell we've actually lost the game. They all walked <laughs> in, and they were so up and about. And I remember thinking, "Jesus, the other boys are going to be like, oh, you're taking it a bit far, aren't you?" But um, as soon as they walked in, um, it instantly I had a smile on my face, and and then um, it was just such a happy feeling because. You then realise, um, I guess, what you have accomplished, and, and everyone who's close to you actually um, is really happy and up about about it too. That um, it did change my emotions certainly. Any players give you a little secret high five or a secret wink after the game? Um, yeah, the boys. Well, we were out of contention of finals, so the boys were happy to have a couple of beers. So yeah. um, we certainly celebrated it. Um, it. Um, it was a weird one though. I remember we I definitely had some beers after the game, but I remember thinking Yeah, you I, did. I don't want to go too big a night here. Um because I want to remember the whole night. I really yeah. did. Um and so uh I remember thinking that yeah, we'll, we'll certainly I'll have a lot of the people around me who've made a big difference, but um we'll try and just keep a lid on it a little bit tonight. So, um that was obviously a pretty special special night and something that I'll always remember. 
Now, mate, you've harped on about your injury, for, you know, <laughs> flat out now. So, but just the last thing on it, yes. um, I want to want to talk about is that it's a horrendous experience that you went through. It's shocking, but what are the positives that you personally take take out of the experience? Yeah, I think um, I've learned so much from it, and particularly in my third and fourth rehabs. Um, I think um, in my first couple, I. I don't think I was a good person. I think I was very much um, rehab was everything. I think I was selfish. I think I was so driven at getting back that it meant that nothing else really mattered to me and I didn't care about many other things. And um, I think I learned through my third and fourth rehabs that you need other things away from footy and away from um, the game so that when things aren't going well, if you if you have a, a bad loss or even a good win, you actually can turn to other things. And, and I coached um, in the last couple of rehabs. I did a lot of other things off-field, and that was something that I still do today. And um, and, and that was something that I certainly learned out of it and how to, how to actually deal with. But also, I guess, how you look at things and put things into perspective as well. Um, I every single game I play I look around at the the stands beforehand and think where how lucky I actually am to be out there playing because for such a long time I was in the stands thinking I just wish I was out there on the ground so I think um you get a lot of life lessons out of it and and certainly um don't take anything anything for granted either sadly for Geelong people mate you you're no longer a cat but the happy people of Sydney and the um, uh, absolutely rapt to have you here at the Swans, mate. So, talk to us about that. You know, you in the trade period, Swans got in touch. Did you jump at the opportunity? Were you hesitant? You know, Sydney's a very different place to Geelong. It is. It um, was a very, uh, I'd say, interesting time. Uh, the trade period in that six to eight weeks for me, in particular. Um, I haven't actually spoke about it that much, um, so you might get a couple of exclusives here, Callum. Hang on um, a sec. <laughs> Go. <laughs> um, it's uh, it is a very stressful time, and anyone who goes through it, um, particularly in Melbourne or, or even Adelaide or, or Perth, where it is very much um, the saturation of footy coverage is is huge. Um, there's a lot of talk about it and a lot of questions, and and you're not actually sure of a lot of things yourself, and so initially. Uh, I had some contact with some teams towards the end of last year and, and through my management and I remember speaking with my manager about it and um, I've been through so much at Geelong that I'd never really entertained the idea to leave. I'd certainly thought about it but I thought I've got so many connections here um, it's going to actually be very hard to get my head around moving on and, and so I thought look I'm just going to try and play through the finals and, and hopefully have a good final series and hopefully we go well and then I can deal with it then. Um you obviously finish the season and it comes around pretty quickly and and so within a matter of days um you're talking about potential contract offers and i remember speaking with geelong and they had a contract there towards the end of the season and they'd actually pulled that and said we'll we'll talk over the next few weeks and from there that's when it probably in my mind turned to okay maybe i will actually explore other opportunities and go somewhere else and um and so we had a couple of options at the time and, and I was actually flying over to America. I had a holiday planned in America and I'm so glad I was in the States for the three or four weeks that all of this played out because um, every two days it changed for me. My situation changed where I might be playing footy and where in Australia I might end up. And um, with the time zone difference, I remember having a lot of midnight conversations with my manager. It was 10 a.m. here and it was 12 o'clock over there and thought you know what i won't have too many beers and i'll actually have a chat with my manager first and see what's happening before before we um work out what we're going to do and um and so not kidding it every two nights i thought i was playing for a different football team and um what teams were they well we had some interest um i mean if i one one thing that came up one thing i certainly thought about was back home for me which is adelaide and um and so Port Adelaide um, was one team that certainly spoke more management company and, and they weren't sure either and were working out where they wanted to head and, and their players and there's so many different things in trade week that they needed to work that out. So that was a possibility. Um, and then there was other teams. St Kilda, um, obviously, in Melbourne was one that I'd spoke with quite a bit and, and that was a chance as well and that went up and down and um, Gold Coast, Fremantle, a few other teams in Melbourne. So there, there was a plenty there that had some interest but hadn't fully pulled the trigger and at this stage Sydney hadn't actually shown any interest and um, so I remember thinking I 
don't know how this is going to play out. And so I was actually at the World Series in baseball in Boston, and it was game one, World Series game, bucket list type stuff. And I remember um, thinking this is going to be an incredible night, and I actually got a phone call from my manager, and he said, Geelong's decided they're going to delist you. And um, at this stage, I'd already probably got my head around that I was going to go somewhere else. And Mm. so it didn't hit me like it maybe would if it was much earlier. And I thought, okay, well, it's probably a good night to go to the World Series so I can actually (laughs) enjoy the World Series. And um, I was like, okay. So spoke with them and said it's going to come out um, tomorrow. And so I was like, okay. And so um, went to the World Series, incredible event. And then it came out the next day. And um, what it actually did was when that news came out, we actually then had four or five teams that we were hoping had some interest. Um, they actually then jumped in and actually said, yeah, look, we're, we're actually interested now. And it frustrated me at the time because I thought, why why weren't you interested a couple of weeks ago? And um, and in speaking with Sydney about it, it was very much, um, we didn't think you were going to leave Geelong. We didn't think they were going to not offer you a contract and we thought you were going to sign. So when that didn't happen, um, my manager called me and said, Sydney's actually quite interested and... and so I remember I was on a bus um, from Washington to New York and uh, and John Longmire and Tom Harley called me and um, I remember sitting there and I had all these Americans around me and we're talking talking where I might fit in the team and we're talking Sydney lifestyle and I remember thinking there's no way I'd have this conversation in Australia just yeah. on a just on a public <laughs> bus but um well, you might in Sydney mate to be honest well with you. right you might actually in Sydney, now that I'm so right but um in Geelong and Melbourne no but up here in Sydney <laughs> no, many so, the, no one knows who anyone is so when yeah. um when we had that conversation uh I went into it very much interested to see what they would say and I got off the phone and from instantly from getting off the phone with them, I thought, you know what, this is, it's almost a no-brainer for me. Um, I've got to go back and do a medical. I, they, they painted the picture pretty well to me as to where I'd fit and how I can help the side. And um, and so they they also dropped that, um, I think it was either how, I don't actually know, one of them said at the end of the conversation, you know you know who the forwards coach is, don't you? And um, I said, yeah, I'm well aware that Steve J is the forwards coach. Mm-hmm. And they said, you've got a good relationship with him, don't you? And I said, yeah, I do. And they said, okay, well, we just thought they'd be a little sweetener for you. And I said, yeah, no, it's it's good. I didn't want to give away too much. <laughs> um, but um, so, yeah, got off the phone and then arranged to fly back from America to Sydney uh, the next week and, and do a medical and... and at that stage thinking that yeah okay it's probably that's the way that we're going to head and um was extremely happy with how it's played out first impressions of the place uh first impressions um well i i think crossy was one of the first people i met so uh, okay (laughs) (laughs) tom cross is uh is the club doctor for those listeners out there he's one of the uh one of the great men of sydney he um, um I remember, so I remember he introduced himself and... Um, World's thought, nicest man. I did think at the time, this guy is incredibly polite. Um, <laughs> I, oh, I sat crossing. down and... Love it, um, love it. And he said, um, he said, Daniel, lovely to meet you. Um, went through a couple of things, date of birth. And then he said, how many AFL games you played? And I said, 73. And he <laughs> wrote it down, looked up off the piece of paper and looked at me and goes... Congratulations, Daniel. And I, <laughs> and I, I, I'm picturing this. I, I, I feel like I'm in the room. I did I not feel ex- like I'm in the room. I love it. I did not expect a oh. congratulations for playing 73 games. So I sort of, I sniggered a little bit and thought, uh, uh, no, I better just keep a straight face here and um, continued to go into more information and um, was still incredibly polite and and then um, and then he said, okay, look, we're going to go. I've got a lot of things wrote down on the piece of paper here. Um, I'm, I'm well aware that my injury history is longer than most players. Um, he said, I'm going to go through... He had a little, I think he called it a dictaphone where you record. Um, He's very old school. Yes. Yeah. And so he said, I'm going to record this and send this uh, to the other physios, to Tom Harley, to everyone at the club. And I said, yeah, no worries. He said, so let me know if, um, let me know if anything is inaccurate. And I said, yeah, yeah, sure. And I was sitting there and I'm like, surely he's not going to reel off 
all of my injury history. Oh no, and everything else. And I was like, sure, if he does, he's obviously going to forget. That might be an episode of the podcast we could do. Actually, <laughs> <laughs> we could actually pre-recorded it's yeah. uh it's very easy listening to tom so it actually <laughs> might be a good idea um yeah. so he reeled it off and he reeled it off word for word and literally in order of when i did my injuries and was spot on and i sat there just staring at him at the end thinking this is incredible and um he finished he finished and he said uh close quote and then he looked up at me and said how'd i go <laughs> I, I did laugh I said mate that was incredible and he was like oh thank you Daniel and uh, I was like yeah wow and I walked out of there going wow if everyone at Sydney is like this and they've got an incredibly professional football club and um, so that was one of my first impressions of the club yeah. um, and then obviously met coaches I met all the assistant coaches literally an hour after that and um, they said oh what have you done and I said oh I had my medical with um, with Crossy and they said, um, "Oh, did he did he get his little recorder out?" And I said, "Oh, yeah." They said, "Don't feel special, mate. He does it for everyone." And I was <laughs> like, "Yeah, okay." I was like, "He's he's very good." And they're like, "Yeah, he's very thorough." And I was like, "Okay, no, this is this is just who he is." So um, then got to obviously have a look around the club and um, DC Dennis Carroll, the welfare manager, showed me around and. Um, I'd already been worded up from our welfare manager in Geelong that he's the best in the business and um, he's an absolute ripper DC and so he showed me around and touched on obviously the new facilities coming too which are really exciting and um, I, I do, I remember leaving the club in a much um, surer and confident way than was what I was rocking up because anytime you go to a new club and see their facilities um, you're obviously nervous as to what it's going to be like and I think I... I um I actually I flew back to America the next day and I remember thinking yeah right. look Sydney's going to be provided they obviously um offer me the contract then yeah that will be where I'll play next year. But there's one thing Tom Cross is. If there's one word to describe Tom Cross, it's thorough. <laughs> thorough. He's a thorough, thorough individual, and he's a much loved. He's a much loved. Um, he's a great man. The much loved member of uh, member of the Swans, and we're going to get him on the podcast. I'm, I am adamant <laughs> we're going to get him on the podcast. It'll be the most polite podcast ever. So, um, and just quickly on your first day at the club, I um, you were on the training track, and it was when you turned so. You probably don't realise, but in Sydney, yep. day one of pre-season, it's very different to day one of pre-season at Geelong. Seven, nine, ten, yes. Netflix, Stan, <laughs> you know, um, yeah. Fox Sports, they've all turned up. Yep. That never happens here at the Swans. Yep. And you rock up, and it was like Donald Trump was in town, honestly. Like, you had media around you, and I, I, I was doing my stupid little handball drills like I do for <laughs> I'm looking over and there you are just chest out just and you, you were at home in front of the media you were absolutely at home so and I just thought he's bringing a bit of Melbourne to Sydney <laughs> and uh, the boys were like oh we don't know like we, we like to keep those kind of keep those things but no, I'm just I'm just I'm just joking, no I right? do remember but, I remember um, speaking with the uh, media managers about that and they did say this is not what it's normally like and I was like oh you maybe have there's maybe 10 reporters there and I said oh is there maybe 6 or 7 at most sessions or a few sessions and they said no no we, we might get 1 <laughs> and I was like 1 and they're like these guys have come up from Melbourne so um, I was a bit surprised myself to be honest but um yeah i knew the boys it wasn't something that common when i spoke with a few of the boys after that session so um that was uh i'd been in america for a month so no media actually they tried calling me but i had an international number which was convenient so i understand why they'd probably wanted something some sort of um word from me about the new club beautiful mate well i'd, I'd like to dive into a little bit of your off field and you're a big fan of the USA, particularly the USA sports. And I'll, I'm just going to give my two cents worth on this. Particularly in the AFL, I'm going on a rant here. Sorry, guys. I've got the, the media team looking at me like I'm an idiot. Um, I know this is about you, but I'm going to go on a rant for a second. <laughs> I think a lot of people, it's, it's kind of cool in the AFL to to say they follow like American sports. Yes. And it, it's, it's a bit of a scene. Yes. It's a bit of a, a digital scene, I'll say. You know, they... they <laughs> I'm getting laughed at here, but <laughs> digital scene, you know, they talk about Steph Curry this, um, you know, they read an article. There's a lot of... You, now, I want you to agree with me here, or you don't have to, but there's a lot of American sport experts <laughs> yep. in the AFL from the playing group. 
Oh, yeah. I look, 100% spot however, on here. However, what I will say is that after um, observing you from a distance, yes. um, like an absolute creep, um, <laughs> you are a dead set fan and you do have a lot of knowledge and you keep very up to date. So you're in a separate category. Yeah. So that's a Geelong thing, isn't it? That, that, that all started? Um, yeah, it certainly was big in Geelong. Ben Graham, who used to play for the Cats, went over to the NFL and actually played in a Super Bowl. So um, a lot of guys who played with him then got invested in the sport and and it sort of developed from there. And um, I think it's one that I I do. I, lo- I love all sports, but particularly American sports. And I love the way they go about it as well. Um, I love how they pump up their best players. And uh, it's a little bit different here with the tall poppy syndrome, to be honest. But, um, mm. it's um It's great how the best players actually tell it as it is. And, and um, But I really enjoy watching all the sports. And um, we've actually... March Madness is, um, is something that I ran in Geelong. And it's a college basketball comp. And a little bit of what you touched on um, that will come around and I'll get the boys involved and they'll sign up and it'll be amazing how many experts college basketball experts there are in about a month's time at the club when we put the basketball on but um, yeah you're right it's uh, it's something that it's um, I think we look at their sport and how much money is actually involved in it and you're sort of a little bit envious of it and, mm. and how big a superstars they are that um, it is it's nice to look at that and um, it's pretty incredible how they actually go about the way they do things. I'll ask your opinion on this. You'd probably see the AFL where, um, you correct me if I'm wrong, but we're kind of slowly trying to adopt a few things that um, that the NFL are doing, NBA, yep. such things like you can now trade picks with drafting, um, future trading picks. Yes. There's talk about a mid-year draft or a mid-year trade period. Um, obviously, things around free agency do you think the AFL should go down that path Uh, I think it's good to explore those opportunities Um, however there just isn't the money in our sport that there is in the American sports and um, for example um, the mid-year trading um, you can do that in the NBA when players are getting five million dollars a year um, Jeez, that'd be nice. And even if they are down the bottom of their, their team, they're not, they don't play that much. They're moving cities. They can relocate. They've got no issues moving their family when they are getting that sort of money. Whereas over here, it's going to be a lot more difficult to trade guys. If you're going to trade guys mid-year, they're probably not going to be in your highest 10 players at the club because you obviously want to keep them. Mm. So you're going to have guys who are... Um, it's going to be difficult, I think, financially for them to move uh, mid-year and, and um, obviously with families as well. It just makes it really difficult. So I think that's one that's going to be challenging for the AFL. Um, but they certainly do look at um, what really works well in the NBA and the NFL and try and mirror that a little bit. And I really like the stuff um, that they're going with, I guess, off the field a little bit. Crowd engagement. Um, they actually make it an event in America and so you actually go to games and um, you don't just go to the game to actually watch the NBA or the NFL you go to tailgate beforehand you go to actually see the halftime entertainment you actually there's so many other things that um, that they do so well that I think that's where we're getting a little bit better and um, and it means that you're gonna even if your team is down the bottom of the ladder which over there, there there are some teams that are really poor but fans still go to support their team but also there's other things um, and, and particularly for kids as well I think if your team's no good in the AFL and you don't have much else um, to interact with and engagement then you're not going to get them coming back so it's really important that sort of stuff and I think that's where the AFL is getting a lot better and picking it up um, and following in suit and what I'd like to touch on a little bit is you've done a fair bit of travel of the US you've been to a fair few sporting events a lot more than probably a lot of us yeah Rattle off a few things that you've done. Yes, I recently obviously went to the Major League Baseball World Series. Um, That was pretty incredible how we actually got those tickets um, through a a guy over there and they were right behind home base. Um, So I remember speaking to someone in Boston that day and they said, I've been to over 100 baseball games. I've never been in the World Series and you haven't been to one and you're going to the World Series tonight. And I thought, yeah, look, we've we've done pretty well here. been to I actually got to go on the field in Philadelphia who I support uh, recently the the Eagles so their punter is from Geelong so that was a handy contact um, 
So there, I've probably been to five or six NFL games, obviously the baseball, um, and then NBA. I've been in the Warriors, watched the Warriors play a few times. I went and watched LeBron just recently. Um, so there, yeah, I've been pretty fortunate. And, and then I've done Europe a couple of times too. So I've been and watched Liverpool play at Anfield. Um, I've also been to Wimbledon to watch Andy Murray play the year he actually won Wimbledon. Um, so I guess in terms of... Um, missing some footy and, and injuries and whatnot that's one of the real upsides as well that I was actually able to get some some time away and, and experience some pretty incredible events and during your your rehab you touched a fair bit about probably in your, in your third and fourth rehabilitation how important it was to have stuff going on outside of footy you've got a business I do I um I set up my business which is called mental toughness mental fortitude um basically off the back of my story and um and what i'd overcome and all the things i'd learned from that but also um from the sheer amount of um messages and um interest i had from people who are going through other setbacks or going through an acl or or not even a, a sport related injury but mental health and um and i think the thing that surprised me off the back of the documentary i did with fox footy was I knew I'd get some nice feedback and, and get some good exposure, but the hundreds and hundreds of messages from people um, saying that I can relate to this in the documentary or this part's really helped me or um, I don't play sport, but I actually am inspired by something that happened in your story. And um, one of the real cool ones for me is when someone says, I've done one or two ACLs and I quit footy three or four years ago, but I've watched your story and I'm now going to play next year. And so things like that I think I'm pretty lucky that um, I've been able to have um, that impact through the access that, that we had with that documentary and so from there a lot of the messages said um, I'm going through an ACL I'm going through a setback what's your advice and I remember writing back to a lot of these people and it just took up a lot of time and I didn't mind it but I remember thinking a lot of these replies are very similar and I almost need a template and I could just send that out and so um, I spoke with Anthony Morabito, who obviously did three and played at Fremantle. Um, spoke with Clay Smith from the Bulldogs and then Alex Johnson, obviously, up here at the Swans. And we all said the same thing, that um, you basically online can't find an ACL rehab guide anywhere. If you type in ACL rehab, it'll come up with your really technical surgeries, and um, but nothing that will actually coach you through it. And so I thought, why don't I actually write up... Um, my own ACL plan and coach people through mentally and physically through the rehab and um, I thought it's already that difficult for me to do it and I've got a physio I've got a strength coach I've got a welfare manager a doctor I've got so much at my uh, disposal every day for your country netball or a country footballer they might see a physio once every two weeks Mm. and so for the other two weeks they're sitting there going what the hell am I doing plus they've got to work full time and they have to work full time as well so it makes it extremely challenging so I thought look this might just help a little bit so I wrote up a nine month plan and broke it down into one month blocks basically coaching you through the exercises coaching you through the struggles you're going to go through and then how to overcome that and um, and that was one aspect of the website uh, another aspect um, is actually the, the things I found extremely challenging and the ways I overcome them and I think um a lot of setbacks, although some are extremely bad and, and some are just minor, I think the principles in, in how you struggle with them are very similar and how you overcome them are very similar. So I've put that on there because I didn't want to just target ACL um, rehab. And um, so that that's on my website for anyone to see and it's and it's all free. Um, and so it's, um, it's something that I'm really proud of. And, and when I started the website, I thought, look, if I can get 500 to maybe 1,000 people... Um, sign up for my ACL plan in a couple of years then it will feel worthwhile I feel like it's actually reached enough people and helped enough people and in uh, a bit over two years we've had 4,000 people sign up um, for the ACL plan which is something that I'm really proud of and um and then the other aspect of my my business and my website is um is a sports casual apparel range so that um that was developed through obviously my story as well and and in my documentary it touches on my wristband mtmf which Mm -hmm. which i've worn um ever since my third acl and it was something to help me through the rehab every single day um i'd struggle every single day and 
and for maybe 10% of the day I'd actually speak with people and remember how much support I had um, and, and I'd actually feel good and think you know what I'm going to overcome this no one actually has before and, and so I remember thinking I need to feel like this much more of the time um, otherwise it's just going to be too difficult and so it's where I came up with the slogan mental toughness mental fortitude and made the wristband and so every single day I struggled in rehab um, after that which was every day I remember looking down at my wristband and it almost just gave me a hit of adrenaline and just mm. um, brought me back to this is why I'm doing it and I'm going to overcome this and so then from there when that came out I had a lot of people say where can we buy your wristbands and I thought you know what I'll, I'll just make some wristbands um, I'll get money back on, on the website from that way and that's that's all I'll do and um, spoke with a few companies and from there it quickly went to a whole sports carol, casual apparel range um, and so we've now had four or five ranges and um, it, it's a long way away from just wristbands now that we're doing compression and women's tights and hoodies and a lot of other things so that's um that's been another thing that's been really interesting and, and really fun to actually design but also learn i guess how all of that um part of retail works too well speaking of the boys mate they're super excited for the, for their free kits <laughs> um so when the when the range comes out and the samples rock up of the boys are just they just want to thank you so much for your generosity i have in um in just allowing us you know a free-for-all with all that stuff so super interesting that's uh, super mate well done no look you're welcome i have had a few of the boys inquire about it already and i said yeah in time i will um get it. i i'm not sure when this will go out but i um i haven't released but we are going to release new stock this year in the next couple of months so exclusive it will be around april may time that we'll release our new range um and so i have no doubt that um the boys will get their hands on a couple of things around that time as well just eyeing off our media guys here we do need a sponsor for the podcast <laughs> so we could we could deck us out in uh mtmf um look, look, look put it in the bank have a think about it i could see you in one of our beanies mate cover cover up my head mate trust me um mate, your vision after footy where do you see yourself after your footy journey um okay, yeah it's a good question i think um I've obviously started up my business and I think that the recovery side of things, there's such a want and a knack for that and a need for that and it's still so under-researched um, in how you actually overcome things as difficult as, as they are. So I think there's certainly... that. that I can definitely take that down one area if I want to go that way. Um, throughout my ACLs, I, I touched on it briefly before. I coached an under-14 team for a couple of years, and um, that was the best thing I did through my third and fourth rehab because what it did was it meant that I had two nights a week where I coached these kids, and then on the weekend, I coached them every single week, and that was my game. That filled the void of not being able to play. Mm-hmm. And so I got a real passion for coaching and um I did two years of that and then I did the next two years when I was back coaching the Interleague and and then the the past two I've coached um, the Geelong women's team so they've been in the VFL I've helped out and been an assistant coach there so I've coached the last six years and it's something I really enjoy so that could be a pathway for me as well and um, there's a lot of other things I've sort of dabbled in so I sort of look at it and go if I can try a lot of different things and hopefully by the time I finish up it will be obvious to me or I'll have options to be able to choose out of in my thorough research mate you just said you've been trying things and you're dabbling in things but so throughout my research I've found that you're you've dabbled in journalism <laughs> that so, has been another thing I have done so yes you are the one of the lead columnists for the Geelong Advertiser. <laughs> so I'd just like to rattle off a few headlines and get your comments on them, if you don't mind. <laughs> You've actually... Daniel, it was called the Daniel Menzel column. I did not see this coming. Finding the lost art of goal kicking. Yes, important. As our, as our game of AFL changes, adapts, improves and evolves over the years, there is one thing that remains constant and hasn't progressed, goal kicking. Correct. Are you sitting on the sidelines potting blokes? <laughs> <laughs> well, when I actually yeah. wrote this article, I was yeah. actually playing um, and I my percentage accuracy at goal was in the higher end. So I feel like I had a foot to stand on in writing this article. Mate, I, I, I think you're a fantastic goal kicker. So, mate, good on you. Just another article I'd like to, to touch on. I'd just like to ask, have you read any of these articles or I you did, just read no, the no, headlines? No, I, I have read them, but I'd like to get... Um, I like to keep journalists accountable. Okay, that's So, cool. um, um, that's one of the main aims of the podcast mm-hmm. is uh, accountability. 
Daniel Menzel column. This is probably my favourite that you've done. Um, really thorough work. Which Geelong players would appear on reality TV? <laughs> so basically what you've done is that you've selected um, a whole bunch of reality TV shows that are on at the moment. Correct. And you've paired up... Um, players. Paired up players. They probably best suit that television show. Yes. Fair? You would love this. I would. You, and we're going to play it. So... <laughs> We're going to play this. Okay. This is perfect. So I know you've only been at the club a short while, but yes. you're a very personable guy. The boys have taken to you very, very well, and you're very, you've a lot of fun around the footy club. So I think you've established the relationships to to put blo- put the boys in. Basically, in, in, to pop blokes. To yes. pop blokes. Yep. So another one of the aims of the podcast. <laughs> um, <laughs> so let's go through a TV show, and Dan Menzel is going to match up which player would best would, would be most suitable for that show sure first off Survivor Survivor um, oh, I'm going to go Callum Mills I think um, I think he actually athletically would be good at the game but I think strategically he would actually be pretty good too that's good uh, The Block The Block um, I could help you with this one but I'm going to let you go um, who thinks they're a good tradie? Uh, there's probably quite a few country boys at the club that think they'd go right on the tools. Um, okay. I'd like to know who you suggest. Luke Parker. He's done a number of renovations around Sydney. Yes. He's made millions. But would he be any good at actually renovating places himself? Or does he well, just Well, he has done that, and, and his partner is an interior designer. Interesting. So, anyway. Well, there's your answer. Luke it's one of, my, one of my favourites, The Bachelor. The Bachelor. Um, I could help you here again if you like. <laughs> is your answer going to be me? Potentially. <laughs> Potentially. No, it won't be about you. Uh, I, the Bachelor, who would I go with? I actually would go with my housemate, Ryan Clark. And mm-hmm. the reason being is that we watch a few of these shows. Married at First Sight is one of them on at the moment. And um, his patience with the people on the show is not very good. And so... Good entertainment. As it'd be great entertainment, but I think um, we've even spoke about it that there'd be twenty on there, and he would wipe twelve off in the first half an hour of the show. So <laughs> it would be quite explosive viewing. He's a ruthless man, Clarky. Yeah, <laughs> goggle box, goggle box. Uh, so maybe pick two guys. This one, who would just like to see go at it? Uh, I'd like to see yourself and Crayfish on goggle box. <laughs> I think there'd be some interesting calls that would come out. Fair enough, Master Chef. Master Chef, uh, who would fancy themselves in the kitchen? Um, see, I don't know much about the boys cooking. Um, we'll move on. How about Shark Tank? Shark Tank ideas, man. Uh, I'm gonna say, I think Joey would be good on Shark Tank because I think he'd have, he'd be able to explain things very logically. Um, and explain exactly why he's got the idea and how it's going to blossom. Beautiful, mate. And why don't we finish on a good one? <laughs> a MTV Cribs. MTV Cribs. Um, well, Bud's driving his Merc around at the moment, so <laughs> I think um, it would be interesting to see what else Bud's got back at his house in Rose Bay or wherever it is. Well, that was a bit of fun, wasn't it, uh, Daniel? <laughs> anyway, mate, just want to um, look, mate, I think you've been a super addition to the footy club. You've had a, um, a rough trot, but um, uh, everyone at the footy club is really excited to see um, to see what you're going to bring our footy club. And so far, mate, you've been absolutely super, and uh, the boys can't wait to uh, to play alongside you. And thank you for today, for, for being really honest and upfront. Thank you very much for having me on your podcast and some good information there at the end there, mate.